everybody, uh, this is Jim Ford. Uh, you're listening to the Lantern Cast. None of the other guys could make it. Um, it it's basically just me. Uh, you know, you know Chad and uh, Dan. I just had too many things going on. So, uh, like I said, it's just me. Now, I couldn't actually record anything because I'm not actually talking to anybody. But uh, fortunately enough, just like last year... Uh, something happened with our servers. Uh, I think it was something with the transwarp conduit that it got old, crujumbled, or whatever. But in any case, a bunch of mysterious sound files just kind of appeared. So uh, I didn't really question it too much. I just decided, eh, let me just throw all these onto the uh, the podcast and you know let let people have at it. So uh, without further ado, here you go, episode one fifty five. Bye, everybody. Me, I'm not Bizarro Jim Ford. Me, I'm not Bizarro Dan Kurtzke. And me, I'm not Bizarro Adam Murdo, not guest starring from Bizarro Comic Geek Speak. And <laughs> this, I'm not Bizarro Lantern Cast. Episode negative one? <laughs> that not work for me. So, Bizarro Adam Murdo. You went... No, Bizarro Dan. Uh. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> you am not from Bizarro CGS. That am incorrect. We have never heard of Bizarro Zoomcast you just mentioned. Speaking of which, am you not glad that us Bizarros only listen to Zoomcasts, unlike crazy Earth idiots who listen to podcasts? Them am so foolish. No. I hate that. So, you guys am not getting ready for Bizarro Super Show? Incorrect again, Bizarro Dan. Us am lying around doing absolutely nothing to prepare for big-time Bizarro podcast convention, Zoomcast convention, which us am not having in... Over one week. What they're not going to be there? Hmm. Well, we know that you, from Bizarro Lantern Cast, am not going to be in attendance, along with several other Zoom casts that will not be there at Bizarro Arena for podcasts that must not have. Also, many creators will not be in attendance, and retailers who sell not comic books. It that will M be sound... terrible time for everyone. That M sound awful. Me M not hope they expensive. Uh... <laughs> not comic books. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> um. When M are. Ha- it happening? <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sorry you asked that, Bizarro Dan. <laughs> Bizarro Super Show not going on month of Libra <laughs> six and seven. He's just saying words backwards. <laughs> that and Bizarro April. <laughs> you not know that, right? 
Yes. <laughs> Me not have long way to go to get to Bizarro Super Show. So, me definitely sure, me not going. Hmm. Me definitely not looking forward to hear final decision for you, Bizarro Jim. But if you not decide to come, us not see you there, and us be upset. Me be most upset of all. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. A, I said that, that right. That, that sounds about wrong. <laughs> okay. This is really easy, so we should probably get to a little something else we didn't plan. Actually, for us, no plan. You know, something that we did plan in bizarre speak. <laughs> okay. We have. Or should I say KO? <laughs> we not have special segment for Bizarro Adam Murdo. Hmm. Segment not called Enlighten the Bizarro Murd. Ooh. Here, yeah. we not give you the answers, and you not give us the questions. Hmm. This sound horribly boring. Me can't wait. <laughs> BM not sure this won't be fun. Me disagree. I think. <laughs> Me no. Me no. So, the last category is not from before 1970. No. <laughs> your first, your last answer is not Green Lantern. Hmm. Me answer, who am fastest man alive? If he gets it wrong, does that mean he's right? Incorrect. Ha <laughs> 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 Me celebrate this feat of stupidity with further laughter. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Me now not ask you middle question. Don't know what the opposite of that would be. 1970 to 2000 is not what it is. The answer is not Green Lantern. <laughs> Who am first appear in Giant Size X-Men number one? Incorrect. Ha <laughs> ha! Me am 0 for 2. Unamazing. And for first category, your answer, not Green Lantern. Me remember, which time period am we not talking about again? We're not talking after 2000. What am mackerel? Oh, me am not sorry. That am correct. Oh, darn. How me get smart all of a sudden? 
he was doing so poorly. Me not sorry. For Enlighten the Bizarro Mert, you must not get all three incorrect. Hmm. That means whoever submit question must mail me prize. Darn. <laughs> that am false. <laughs> Jim mail prizes swiftly. <laughs> all the time. We make people wait much longer than two years. <laughs> me quiver with trepidation. This am not difficult at all, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, bizarro murders. <laughs> we have to say hello now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this am no fun, bizarro guys. It am my disgrace to be part of your Zoomcast. No, thank you for having me. Go to hell. <laughs> if people hate you and don't want to listen to more, where can they go? Them should definitely not go to ComicGeekSpeak.com, where no episodes of Zoomcast Bizarro Comic Geek Speak can be found for a price for download. No. There definitely am not 1,350 episodes there. Not That's a little. That's not awesome. <laughs> that am not awesome at all. <laughs> Us bid you hello. Hello, hello guys. <laughs> Bad night. <laughs> oh, God. Good morning. Hey kids, are you looking for candy that's out of this world? Yeah! Then come on down to Wacky Appa's Candy Factory! I've got the sweet treats that'll make your taste buds go crazy! Like Star Sapphire Rock Candy, made with actual bits of Star Sapphires. And Gummy Green Lanterns, with actual bits of lanterns. And Mosaic Chocolate, with actual... you, you get it. From Love Tether Licorice Strands to Hope Marshmallow Rope, it's... It, it, Compassion cookies and Pez. The Pez have clown heads. I've even got the classic Maltus milk balls. All this and much, much more. Only at Wacky Apple's Candy Factory. You'll go insane trying to pick from the massive selection. Hello once again. This is Jim Ford with the Red Lantern cast. Right now, I'm too angry to even come up with a new topic for another episode. So instead, I got two of my buddies to record a song. Now, this song is in honor of the friendship between Saint Walker and Arkillo in the pages of New Guardians, a comic that I... Oh, it just makes me so angry. We got Corwin Kroll from the Sinestro Corps cast. He's going to be representing Arkillo. And we got Mark Marble from the Blue Lantern cast, who's going to be, obviously, portraying St. Walker in the song. Now, listen to this and tell me it doesn't fill your heart with rage. Hey. 
If your ring runs out of power, I'll make them cower. When they put you in a science cell, all will be well. If they ever steal your blue, I'll save you. It's friendship, friendship, just the perfect blendship. When there is no more hope or fear, we will still be here. Yada, 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 hope, hope, fear. If your battery ever dies, I'll hear your cries. If your planet gets wiped out, I'll scream and shout. If you're at the end of your rope, I'll have hope. I'll have hope. It's friendship, friendship, just the perfect blendship. When the universe is facing doom, we'll team up and fight both through. Yada, 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 hope, hope, fear. If your resolve starts to crack, I'll have your back. And if Mongol gives you trouble, I'll give him double. If we face the blackest night, I'll shine a light. It's friendship, friendship, just the perfect blendship. When continuity has been for a gate, we will still be great. Yada, 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 hope, hope, fear. Okay, and now we're going to uh, take a quick break and uh, do a little message from our sponsors to kind of pay the bills. Um, we've got Adam Murdo from CGS. Hey, Adam. How you doing, Jim? Doing good. Uh, now, Adam, you, uh, you're not too fond of Lucky Charms, are you? <sighs> yes, yes, you're pressing the hot buttons tonight, aren't you, Jim? Yeah, well, honestly... <sighs> Sort of a misconception has arisen uh, over the past few years uh, concerning my uh, attitude toward Lucky Charms. It's not that I dislike Lucky Charms. It's that I dislike what General Mills has made of Lucky Charms over the past oh, 15 or 20 years. Uh, you know, they, they started messing with uh, the sacred pantheon of marshmallow shapes. Um, you know, instead of the... Uh, the yellow moon that I enjoyed eating so much as a kid. Now they've got a, a blue moon. Or actually, right now, they've got a, a special variant. It, 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 nothing, Lucky Charms is nothing but special variants these days, it seems. It, keep, it keeps mutating further and further. But right now, there's a, a version of Lucky Charms out there that has nothing but swirled moon marshmallows of various colors. Instead of the green clover marshmallow, there is a green derby hat with a little blob of food dye in the middle of it, roughly in the shape of a clover. Instead of an orange star, there's a shooting star with like little white speed lines tacked to the side of it. This cannot stand, in my view, Jim. This is not my lucky charms. And uh, it is for that reason that I have been boycotting General Mills and all of their products since uh, roughly 1996. Now, so basically what you're saying is that because of the business practices, it's not something that you can support. However, in theory... That kind of cereal is something that you would enjoy? Cereal with marshmallows in it and uh, frosted oat bits? Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, then I have the cereal for you. It's a new cereal that's going to leave you a little more emotionally satisfied. It's new Lantern Nose, created by Lucky's distant guardian cousin, Ganthet. This cereal's sure to pack a punch. Everything you need for a well-balanced universe... 
It's got your little oat bits, and it's got a wide range of marshmallows as well. You've got violet stars, orange glommies, bluebirds, and yellow monsters, indigo staffs, and red balloons. And don't worry, this cereal has been approved by DC editors, so you can expect it to change before it hits shelves. Wow, sounds emotionally delicious. Hello, and welcome to Landercast The Next Generation. I'm your host, John Godwin, and with me, as always, is... Corwin Kroll. And I'm Mark Marble. So we are back for episode 3600. Yes. It's been a long year's worth of stories, and now we have the animated series to finally talk about after only being on the, uh, being in cold storage for like 15 years. Now we finally have another animated show to talk about. Yes, indeed. And what's the name of this new show now? I just got a message from the guy I know at DC. You know that I think I mentioned to you before that that anonymous source who pretty much told me he'll he'll tell me to scoop on anything as long as I'm not Chad Bokelman. <laughs> I, I told him we were talking about the new animated show and that we that there hasn't been a confirmed title yet. And even though he still says this is not 100% confirmed. But he's really confident this is what the title is going to be. And if it is, it's another one of our Lantern Cast Next Generation exclusives. That the title is supposed to be Jeff John Presents Jeff John's Green Lantern, written by Jeff Johns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me guess. Uh, Jeff Johns had something to do with this one? <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe bet. But... You know how tricky he is. Jeff Johns can throw throw us a curveball, but I think that title tells us all we really need to know about the new show, probably. And no, no Jeff Johns Jr. Uh, I think he's a producer. <laughs> and besides that, my my anonymous source. Thank you again for me not being Chad Bulkman. Uh, the anonymous source indicates that hopefully by the end of the first season, and if not, definitely by the beginning of the second season, that the the animated show will cover one of my favorite storylines, the now classic, The Mild Disdain of the Third Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> the Third Lantern. <laughs> Does he have irritable bowel syndrome or something? Probably so at this point, but but nothing, nothing worse than Mild Disdain. <laughs> oh, man. So this is coming out on the what? The Fox CW channel? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to compare to the original, which, you know, I've had on continuous loop in the background since it ended before. I just I don't know how this new one's going to be able to stack up to it. Well, I mean, they got to get the good voice actors in there again, you know, and bring back, you know, characters like Sinestra and stuff. And Volthoom. We have to have Volthoom back. I wonder who they're going to get to play the voice of Soul. I don't know, but I'm really looking forward to Evil Star. I want I want this cartoon to really reflect the direction the comics, you know, have been taking the last couple of years. You know, I'm really looking forward to you know I got my absolute uh, no Evil Star shall escape my sight right here, and I'm just waiting for them to actually adapt this into the cartoon because that would be just the best. With four volumes of written material, you would think it would it would blend nicely into a very elaborate storyline, giving. And now, that, and now that Jeff Johns is personally financing the series, you would think we'll at least get to see as much of his storylines as he wants us to see. 
But it's amazing what they've done with it, though. I mean, they managed to fit the first, you know, 100 issues into a 15-minute short. I mean, I don't know how they managed that, but it was the best 15 minutes of my life almost. Well, I think they took some of the major – well, not major, but some of the minor plot elements out and it's, you know, some of these other characters that are just kind of concentrating on Evil Star. Combining all that work into essentially like a flip book, was, that was pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> With the new uh, – what is it? The new HD plasma screen 3D projectors. Oh man, it's it's they literally put you into the role of one of the Green Lanterns that's killed in the first five minutes. I mean, it's just it's amazing, you know. And, and you know, I hate having to call the hospital each time from the injuries I get from it, but it's just so good to watch. <laughs> and you have to wear those special glasses and and read the instructions carefully, or else you know the, that blindness is blinding. It does blind you very easily, and then that blindness does not go away. And they're not responsible. They say put it right in the right in the disclaimer on the glasses and the TV. So, but if you follow the instructions properly, it's it's a great experience. But I hated yeah. they make you buy the ring, Green Lantern ring, and the battery separately for the full immersion immersion of the of it. You know. I mean, I'm I'm more worried about plugging in a cable into the back of your head. I mean, yeah, video signals straight into your brain. It's it's kind of a scary thing. But what could really go wrong? I don't know. You guys ever heard of this, like, what is this fabled Matrix thing people were talking about that came out, like, thousands of years ago, way back when? We're not supposed to talk about that. Oh. Yeah, well. Pale white horse and all that. Anyway, back to the cartoon. So, what do you guys think about the approach you're taking to the animation? I know it's like Bruce Tim the Third's kind of art style, but how do you guys feel about it? Uh, I, I don't know. I like it. I don't like it. It's very weird how they manage to, like, infuse Van Gogh meets anime style. That's just, it's a very weird mix, but somehow it works. And it's certainly a step up from the first rough sketches or the rough ideas that they had, because I really don't think people, at our, and certainly in our time, would really appreciate no matter how elaborate a design and effort they put into it, I don't think stick figures would really work today. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they really do. It's just – it's an amazing show and with all the different – you know, all the, the – it has to tie into all the – you know, what is it now? Like what are they up to? Like 25 books now? I mean, it's just with all the different books they have to tie into, all the different Lantern cores, all the new cores, new colors – I mean, you know, they had to do something to save on the animation costs. <laughs> I guess Nort's joining us today. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so did you want to talk about the changing in staff on the books? Yeah, I think finally Jeff Johns is letting somebody else kind of tackle one of the 25 books. I know we got five event books going on at one time, but who is this new writer that they're talking about? Well, there's a bunch of several writers that are being rumored, and of course, the first major, the, Jeff Johns, as we all know, has been overseeing these books for decades now, and the first major, the first relatively minor, to, to him it was minor, to many people it was major, the first major shakeup was like about five years ago when he brought Jeff Johns Jr. on to handle five or six Lantern books a month. But at least that was keeping it in the family, so you, the continuity was still, was, it was, 
it's still in many ways, which is one person just kind of like one person's vision, and you knew the sun wasn't going to veer too far off course. But there definitely are rumors that there's going to be other other Lantern books being taken over by different writers, and especially Green Lantern Corps and the recently retitled Anything But the Red Lanterns. Uh, Joshua Hell's my favorite. <laughs> that is true. That was a very clever, and it, and it works on so many levels that it was an it was an apropos title change. Anyone but Red Lanterns. <laughs> but the rumor is Joshua Josh Hell Vialkov it might take over Green Lantern Corps and that formerly Red Lantern book, and should be. I don't know. I haven't read much of his material, and I don't know that much about him. But everything I hear indicates that he's a man of has many ideas, he plans very far ahead, and he's very, very dedicated and committed. So if it's true that he ends up taking over some of these Lantern books, I will, it's almost you can take it to the bank that he will be writing this book for at least at least a decade. Wow. Going to get John to run for his money, huh? That's true. If anyone can, Vialkov will. I don't know if anybody can beat Jeff Johns Jr., though. I mean, he was literally a clone of Jeff Johns stuck in a sensory deprivation chamber for 15 years with nothing but Green Lantern material. I mean, all he thinks is Green Lantern. How's how's anybody going to be able to compete with that? That's a good question. We'll have to wait and see. If it's his own personal successor, Jeff, he had, talk about having a perfect, perfect plan of succession. I mean, succession you had, he had his son or his clone, all depending how one wants to look at it, all lined up. It's like, so, hey, I can retire, and I won't be retiring at the same time. Keep it in the family. That's right. I thought he just cloned over the organs early on, but after, you know, he came out of the chamber, it was just, you know, he was just off writing all these books on his own. It was just, you know, know, Jeff Johns couldn't just harvest his organs after that. I mean, you know, but. Or at least just keep his head alive in a jar. (laughs) <laughs> you just plug it into the word processor or the computer directly, and then you can just dictate those stories. And then Jeff Johns can still stay alive for a long time. So pretty was, so he really had this thing. Actually, this was better better planned out probably than Blackest Night too. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a problem. It was you know, Fifty Shades of Blackest Night just didn't work for me. No. Well, I mean, I didn't really mind that he took things into the to the the antimatter universe with the antimatter core. I mean. It's a whole nother family of cores right there. Yeah, and then the uh, the whole new fifty two of just cores. Yeah. I mean, it was a smart move for DC to bring every single character into a specific core. It just kind of diversified all the cores. And how could we? And we never can turn down opportunities to see more parallax, can we? I mean, parallax is just he just lends himself perfect to everything. So even when you. What would an event of Jeff Johns be without Parallax? No matter who becomes the host, I mean, they, every every time it's something different. Like, like the like at the end of that storyline, they fooled us into thinking, "Oh, Hal's going to become Parallax for the eighth time," but they didn't do that. And they they made us think that oh, Guy was going to be Parallax for the third time, but they didn't do that. Instead, they split it. They had since if people remember the last time we saw Parallax after Hal's seventh turn as Parallax, that uh, they split. They split the entity up into two parts again, and this time you thought, oh, what are they going to do with it? What could they possibly do that we haven't seen before? So this time they were kind of clever making two hosts for Parallax, one being Chip and one being Budge. 
I mean, who would ever thought that making squirrels, the, the deadly parallax too, would be uh, would be so good? Well, it, it really blew my mind when they combined parallax with one of the other entities. How they had the butcher and parallax and and chip. I mean, it was like a rabid fair squirrel. I thought they were going off on the wrong track originally when they had the the three, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. <laughs> you know, with with you know with with the butcher being the red lantern one. Uh, you know, the, the candlestick maker being the one for the, uh, was it the yellow candle as they, they brought them back as, or is it the green candle? That's a long yellow. yellow candle. Yeah. The yellow candle. It's just like, well, who would, who would the baker be? But then they well, added, animal you know, man. They, animal yeah. man. It made perfect sense. It really did. Well, yeah. Buddy Velastro, one of the two. Yeah. Well, I knew it was somebody. I couldn't remember. It's been a while. That was like what three or four hundred issues ago. I mean, no I matter what they do with the entities, well, you know, as loyal Lantern fans, we just we just eat it up. And plus, with you know, with with Chip and Budge, it was like it just works on a, on a deeper level because obviously what Johns is trying to tell us is that the greatest fear in the universe is someone taking our nuts. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can sympathize. I think most fanboys could, so I think that's why it worked so well. Though, have you heard of the new idea they're going to be doing with the Lantern books? They're going to be bringing out an issue every hour on the hour, I think starting in a few months. Oh, we're going to be busy. We're going to be very busy. How much yeah. are they charging now? What is it? I think it's like $10 each time. Yeah, $10 per download. Oh, wow. I don't think I have enough creds to get through this thing here. Yeah, I thought I thought of cutting back, but then my uh, my uh, local comic store hit me with a cattle prod. So, you know, uh, you know, since since the regulations changed to get changed to get people reading more, you know, and then they started being able to do things like that, it's just you know it hasn't really been an option anymore, has it? Oh man. Anyway, in brighter news, what else is going on with you guys? What else have you guys been reading? And enjoying. There hasn't been any time to read anything else. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing with with like twenty to twenty five lantern books a a month. Well, well I mean, we've got we've got four different lantern events going on at the same time, and I mean, we got to be enjoying one of those side books. I enjoy no. sleep in between reading all my lantern books. That's about it. Well, then you get the fun on in dream lanterns. Do they always do? Hmm. You know. One issue a night while you're asleep. Yeah. I think Nemo was the last kind of one I saw. Nemo and Red, Red, Red what was it, Red Lantern Land or something? Mm-hmm. So uh, Rachel was reading the Rage Kitty Cat Girl manga. She said that's pretty good. But, you know, we, we only read the serious comics here, you know. Yeah, you have to draw the line somewhere. Some things are just so ridiculous, you just have to cut bait and move on. Well, I mean, come on now. When they made the, the Orange Lantern core a real core and gave them, you know, five different books, I thought that was pushing it. I think I would prefer some of the manga compared to some of that. I don't know, but the uh, the life-size statues were pretty cool for that one. Well, Yes. Yeah, ultimately I had to put my son out of his room to make room for the statue, so now he sleeps under our couch. He's still at home? Oh, yeah. You 
No, I can't afford to do anything else with him. He, I took him out of school so I can buy more books. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. And he's not too bitter over that, luckily. <laughs> well, he can't be. I mean, it's Green Lantern, you know? That's true. You know, when I'm done with the issue, he gets to read it, too, so it kind of balances out. I thought, don't you have him on the assembly line binding each issue for you right after you read it? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. Plus, Corwin did buy him the, you know, the, those Lorfleet's underoos, and that kind of just – that makes it a little bit easier, I think, when he's sleeping and crying himself to sleep and dreaming of what might have been. Well, I have a problem getting issues from him afterwards because all he seems to say is mine and scream mine and run around, so – and he, gets the, and he gets the tears all over him, too. It just kind of ruins the, the value of them. Yeah. It's, well, it's okay. It's, There's always a new issue coming out every hour, so it's kind of hard to keep track sometimes. True. Well, it's a lot better than the long-lost you know, Jim Ford's son, James. Uh, long-lost Jim, not long-lost James. Yeah, he, did, he doesn't have anything to do with comics. He went on to be the, like the mayor of New York, all this stuff. You know, He doesn't have time for Green Lantern. Uh, you know. But considering what happened to his father, I mean, you can, it's kind of understandable. Understandable. Yeah, it's a tragedy. As we approach that, yeah, as we approach that anniversary time again, is what yeah. Lantern, Lantern Con 4 is approaching, and, and uh, it's always that time when we always have to reflect upon our fallen comrades, those who came before us. Yes. Well, it's a good thing Lauren founded it. I mean, she kind of kept the torch going. She was a torchbearer for a while there. Mm-hmm. True. I heard she thought of just selling all of it on eBay and being like, that's it, I'm done, but I'm glad she went in this direction. Mm. Damn that Bokelman. Yeah. I thought thought Lauren marrying Jim, Jeff Johns was a bit much, but you know, she Jim's, really embraced Green, Green Lantern after Jim. It's true yeah, dedication. It was Jim's dying wish, too. He said He prepared that. He said, if anything were ever to happen to me. This is how you can. This, this is how you carry on my legacy. That's uh, dedication. I, I usually fall asleep during the reading of his will every time at LanterCon, so you know I forgot about that. You're not the one that has to, you know, hold up his poster every every con, hold up the the image of him, and Dan, poor Dan. It's true. Dan got it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Damn that uh, Bokelman. Yeah. But hey, the, the Jim Ford rings that he made are going for just millions of dollars each now. And I still yeah. can't find myself to part with mine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Good to know his legacy will live on, though. This is yeah. true. Well, even my wife, she replaced her wedding ring with it, so, you know, she's walking around with millions on her finger right there. It's amazing how the Lantern cast changed our lives. This is yeah. true, very much. And don't forget, obviously, Corman, the fact that your wife made you change the name of your son to James Ford in memorial of Jim. Well, still kind of bitter about that, but I can understand <laughs> that. I, that that was might have been a bit much. It's like, can't we like have a have another child and name him that, or, or can't we like maybe maybe the dog? No, but it's what Jim would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wish they could find the body. Yeah, you know, something, a finger or something to <laughs> anything we can keep. At least a ring finger would be poetic, you know? Yeah, it is true. At many levels. Yeah. But but 
But if anybody knows where those bodies are, only Chad's the only one, and he's not talking wherever he is. Yeah, and if, if anybody if anybody finds him after his escape a year ago from the asylum, if anybody sees anything, just call us and let us know. Well, speaking of call, we did get this weird voicemail. Hold on one sec. Let me um, me find it and play it for you guys. Hey, they're out there, you know? I mean, not out there as in out there or or even in here, but but they're, they're really out there, really far out there, you know? I can feel it. I just I know it. You know what I mean? Well, that was weird. Okay. I wonder how that person got our number. I don't know. Sounded familiar, though, in a strange sort of way. I can't really place it, but it sounded very, very familiar. Very familiar in an easily forgotten kind of way? Absolutely. Unconfirmed? Like out of sight, out of mind? Oh, out of mind? Yes. That's very much what it was. Hmm. Oh, man. We may have to look into this a little bit more. Yeah, it's that's 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 just weird, huh? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. You know, maybe we'll find out by the next episode later tonight. We've only got like what fifteen minutes before we have to start recording that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. You know, read the next what ten issues that came out. Like today, between now and then. So I'll be ready. So much material, so little time. That's right. At least they're cutting out the middleman for some of us and making some of the the previous issues available on toilet paper. (laughs) Talking about killing two birds with one stone between during our brief 15-minute break between episodes. But you got to consider the genius in that. I mean, plenty of people read while in the can, so having... Comic toilet paper is just it's it's classic. It's it, it was a bold move. That Jeff Johns is a genius. You still use you. toilet paper though? I use the three seashells. <laughs> I I'm old school. I'll still I'll stick with the toilet paper, thanks. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But you know, hey, we got a new cartoon. We got plenty of stuff going on. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just hoping this one lasts. I'm getting tired of the, the cartoons coming out and being really good, and you know, just because the digital sales of the digital toys are going down, they they kind of keep canning the shows. It's just it's really frustrating. Yeah, you know, you know, with the 3D printers in the house, you think they could figure out some way to get commission on those, but you know, now that everybody has one, but eh, you know, you know how it is. And everybody thought digital was going to take over. 3D printers just completely changed the face of everything. I mean, when you can design your own toys and print them and make them right in-house, come on. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so let's see. New cartoon, new hourly comics coming out, you know, 25-plus issues. I think we're good on Green Lantern for now. So, you guys want to wrap up and get ready for the next episode? We got, you know, what, we got 10 minutes now? Yeah, I've yeah. got to call my job and quit so I can get to the next batch of books. Okay, I did that about a week ago, so. <laughs> Way ahead of you guys. I quit last year. Oh, lucky. I knew this I knew this was coming. Lucky. Yeah, we do what we can. But this should be an exciting year if we if we survive. Yep. Yep. 
So, okay. All right, I'll see you guys in a little bit. Okay, see ya. Sounds good. Bye. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the NovaCast. Episode 155. Yes, indeed. Uh, Dan, we're finally getting around to the new Nova number one. I know. And (laughs) I I cannot wait to hear your reaction to this, because you were not that thrilled to uh to find out that uh <clears throat> Richard Ryder was being replaced, were you? No. No, actually hey, you know what's interesting is that you know, you look at the character of Nova with with Richard Ryder and a lot of people have made some similarities, some comparisons between the Nova character, and say, like, the Green Lantern Corps. Which is, it's funny to me, because with the Green Lantern storylines, they have gone through so many Green Lanterns. You know, like, they they basically have, like, different ages. And while, you know, some of them return, and, you know, most of them, I guess, actually have returned, and they were all working with each other, you know... Like, they basically go through a period where one takes over for for some time. And with Nova, you know, you never really had that. Like, it was basically always Richard Ryder. He was always Nova. Uh, They they played around with that a little bit with the last series as far as recreating the Nova Corps. And, you know, you had a little bit of focus being shifted on some of the other, you know, Nova members. But it was still Richard Ryder. You know, he was still, like, the main character. So... When they introduce a new one, you know, especially after killing off Richard Ryder, supposedly killing off, you know, it's like, hey, wait a second, you know, where's my character? When I guess we really should have been thinking to ourselves, it's like, well, you know, maybe it's good that they kind of expand the mythos, but we'll get to that. You want to uh, do a synopsis for the uh, issue? Oh, do I want to do a synopsis? All right. Well, all right. So Nova number one. Uh, this is brought to us by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis, uh, with, uh, with assistance from Dexter Vines and Marte, Marty Gracia. I don't know how to say that. Um, <coughs> Gracia? Op- yeah, sure. That guy. He's good. Uh, we open up with a flashback to, uh, 17 years ago, where we see a group of Novas clad almost entirely in black fighting their way through uh, some kind of prison, and they bust out Rocket Raccoon and Gamora, the two two of the you know present day members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And you know we don't really know why they're locked up right now. Probably them just getting into their usual hijinks. And uh, <laughs> but, you know they all get away, and you know uh, we're what is this guy's name? What's uh... damn it? What's his name? The human guy. Uh, is it Jesse? I think so. We'll call him Jesse for the purposes of our show. His name is Jesse, <laughs> and we're kind of we're following him as our, like, kind of human POV character throughout this fight, and he's doing all this, like, crazy Daredevil stuff, like, 
like a giant a flying saucer shooting at them, so he just plows right through it and explodes. <laughs> well, he he doesn't explode. He kind of explodes. Whatever. He's he's a little reckless, but he loves doing the whole space cop superhero thing. And you know, cut to the present day, and there he is. He's older, and he's a drunk school janitor, much to the chagrin of his son, Sam. A character that we're <laughs> that they, that you love ever so dearly, <laughs> and you know Jesse, he he basically you know he's living on Earth, he's he's raising his family, and he's he's still kind of he's portrayed as the kind of guy who's you know past his prime but relives the good old days through stories. It just happens to be that the good old days are tales of sci-fi action and adventure that nobody believes is true, especially not his kid who thinks he's just like this. This degenerate loser who lives at the bottom of a barrel and has to pretend, has to live in a fantasy world to try and not focus on the crap him and his family go through. Um, as a result, you know, Sam doesn't really like where his dad is in life, but he tries to cover for him. You know, when, when, when dad passes out drunk at work, Sam finishes his work for him and, and, He's, he's kind of his reputation is dragged through the mud because of it. Gets a lot of trouble with bullies. Um, he, he just he's just portrayed as this guy who wants to get out of his stupid small town and distance himself from his father and not end up where his dad is in life. <clears throat> um, we keep getting throughout the issue this notion that you know. <clears throat> You know, well, what if the Novas need me someday? Sonny boy, I might have to go back. And, you know, Sam's little sister is afraid. She buys into this completely. Sam thinks it's all a bunch of bunk. But she's like, well, what if Daddy has to go back to the stars someday? And, you know, Sam's trying to, you know, reassure her without breaking her imaginative spirit that, you know, Dad, you know, it's all right. He'll be fine. He'll stay with us. Uh, Till the day... Sam, you know, goes home. He's because his dad didn't even make it to work that day, so he runs right home and finds his dad's room torn apart. You know, there's a giant hole in the wall. The helmet isn't on the shelf anymore, and he figured, you know what, dad bailed. He ran out on us, and in a huff, Sam just runs out, takes a skateboard, and he's gonna try and. You know, chase down his dad before he gets too far away and drag him, kicking and screaming back. Uh, but he trips and, <laughs> I guess, is in a coma for a couple weeks, days? I don't know how long it's been. Uh, three days. So he's been out for, like, about a little under a week. And when he comes to... There is a hot green chick and a talking squirrel standing on his bed saying, hey, we gotta talk about your dad. (laughs) So Nova number one, Jim. Yes. Okay, so I like, I believe this is an introduction to the the Black Novas. Yes. Um, I like it. I like the concept. The thing that you know, the thing that makes me open to this is the fact that, like, he's not replacing Richard Ryder. You know, like, this is, like, a completely different thing that's just kind of, like, been sitting dormant, 
you know, in this guy's, like, shed. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, like, the way that they introduce, you know, the helmet, at least, um, it, it definitely has me a lot more forgiving of a new character, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, the thing that I didn't love about this was that, and I mean, I you know, it's, it's kind of understandable the way that the kid is such, like, a like a surly jerk, basically. Um, I mean, I, I understand that with the life that he has, but that doesn't make him likable. Um, and the other thing is, like, you have this father who's like this, you know, this space hero, and yet, you know, he just, he can't keep it together on Earth. It's just like, you know, he's got two kids. You know, it's just how can you not keep it together? If you you were able to keep it together in space and save lives, but you can't, you, know, you can barely hold yourself together for your two kids. Yeah, well, I think that's the point. I mean, there's it's the fact that you know, being this black ops superhero cosmic soldier is what he's good at, and that's not automatically going to translate to being able to be good at you know nine to five family man job you know i i mean i i listened to this this pretty spectacular green lantern podcast and they <clears throat> they were just talking about some issues where like some guy i forget his name i think he's a gardener though he um he you know he lost his whatever powers they have and he had to go back and live on earth for a while and he kind of sucked at it so i mean it's it's the kind of thing you know you you thrive in one environment, and then you flounder in a completely different one. I mean, I, I, I see what they're going for with that, but by the same token, it's just like I find it hard to relate to since he has yeah. the two kids. Yeah, well, this is interesting because you're relating more to him. And because, like, you're relating more to the father character, and you are a father. Whereas me, I'm <clears throat> I'm relating more to Sam because you know I, not only do I not have kids, I've lived for like a decade in like a stupid small town that I would like to get out of. <laughs> so I can uh, I can understand like <clears throat> I think Sam's reaction to everything is ratcheted up a few notches because of his age. Because like the younger you are, the more black and white and extreme you're going to react to stuff like this. But you know I I understand where he was coming from. I, th I think it's really cool that no, like other than the the younger sister, <clears throat> nobody seems to believe that this guy was actually a superhero. Like that's just sort of like a a Marvel universe thing you take for granted. That like, well, everybody knows superheroes exist, so if somebody says they're a superhero, you know, you, you just go with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. It, it just it's it seems odd. I mean, like you know, does the helmet not work at all? Has it been turned off? Can he turn it back on at any time? Um, you know, there's a lot of questions as far as that goes, uh, which you know, hopefully they'll explain next issue or you know, future issues. Um, but I mean, no, I mean the the issue definitely you know it has me intrigued. I'm definitely curious about you know more, and I want to find out more about this Nova. I want to find out what the hell happened to his father at the end. Yeah. Uh, now, 
do you think he was taken, or did he... Well, he didn't take the helmet with him, so I assume he was taken. Well, the helmet is missing. Oh, wait, he did take the helmet with him. All right. The helmet is missing, oh. but uh, Gamora is holding a helmet at the end. Yeah. So we don't know if that's the father's helmet or just another helmet that she happened to have. Okay. Um, so we don't know that yet. Now, the other thing is, if you rem- if you look back in the uh, the issue um, where Sam is tucking his father in, in the little yes. room, um, you know, that's where we get the first glimpse of the helmet. And it's, it's interesting because you have, like, you have a chalkboard with a bunch of, like, information on it. You have a star chart with, like, red string and photos and stuff like that. So... And then he's also got, like, the newspapers, which presumably uh, presumably has some kind of, like, Nova sightings or something, you know. So I'm wondering if, like, he was onto something with the information that he was, like, uh, you know, either tracking down or whatever, or between the information that he had garnered as, you know, this black op superhero that somebody wanted to kidnap him for that. Yeah, well, I, I like the room kind of makes it look like he's, like, this conspiracy nut, which I think, like, plays into his son's perception of him. Yeah. But um, it's something I think I might have glossed over in my oh-so-amazing review is um, <clears throat> uh, they, you know, the Black Novas were were transporting this, what was it called? A, uh, just a recorder? Uh, a Regellian recorder. Yeah, it's this this android that I guess is supposed to just sit there and Record computer everything. memorize everything that happens around it. Yeah. And some like they were being chased down by who was it? The it was the Badoon. Whatever. Evil aliens were chasing them down because they wanted the recorder back. They got as close to Earth as they could, and they sent they sent Daddy packing a home with. I think with the recorder to keep it out of their reach. So presumably it's been he's had it hidden on Earth all this time. So I'm thinking whoever was chasing them finally tracked him back to Earth. Oh. He took the recorder with him? I think so. I think that was the point of uh them getting of uh them dropping him off in the middle of the fight. Huh. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a uh, because on the page where he leaves, right opposite to him uh, tucking his daughter in, he's, like, lugging it off in a giant suitcase. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Is that in the room at all? I, no, it's, I don't think it's in his house. I think he probably buried it in the desert or something. Because that's what you do with dead aliens, right? You bury them in the desert. Typically speaking, unless it's yeah. underneath that carpet or whatever in there. That would be, that'll be great if it's just under his bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then he probably figured out a way to access that information, and that's what he was working, you know, on those equations and stuff. It could just be his him being paranoid, too, because it's like... Because I think on the chalkboard, he has, like, the Cree written with a question mark. It's, it's, he has stuff about Titan. It's like, it might just be, like, alien sightings on Earth. Um, either way, I like it. I like the fact that, like, he kind of, you know, he, 
they picked him to leave with the thing because he's the only one of their group. And they're, they're like a black ops team. They're not supposed to have any family or any connections. But he, along the way, has, he got married and now his wife's pregnant with Sam. And so, like, he got sent home to be, you know, be a family man and also hide this thing. So he's probably pretty paranoid that he'll have to, he would have to give this up someday. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, the town is called Carefree. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pleasant. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I think it's funny that the principal of the school looks like he's like right out of Back to the Future. Is he? Yeah. It's like exactly like that principal. Did they name him in this? I don't know. Didn't they have like a skateboard gag in that movie too? Oh yeah. So this basically is the scene from Back to the Future. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think of well, yeah, the story in general. You, yeah, because this is Jeff Loeb. And going into yeah. this, I think we were both a little <laughs> apprehensive. Oh, yeah, because I don't think you read it. Like, you read AVX, but you didn't read uh, the Avengers X Sanction, did you? No. That was the four, five, or eight part miniseries where it's uh, Cable versus the Avengers. And it was done by this exact creative team. Okay. <clears throat> and I bought that thinking, oh, you know, this is superheroes fighting. That could be cool. And it'll look great, because it's, it's Ed McGinnis, so yeah, go get it. It was awful. Like, I don't think I even read the last three issues of it. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I got this, I'm like, alright, well, I get this, this'll be fun. And, you know, I, I can't believe it was by the same people. It's like, even just talking about the writing side of it, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think going into this, like, yeah, definitely apprehensive, but the one thing is that this is this is Jeff Loeb writing a comic about, you know, a young, a young boy. Mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, like, what Jeff Loeb has gone through, you know, with his own son, it did make me think that, you know, it, it did give me hope that, like, he was going to... He was definitely going to take this character to heart. Um, like, you can tell, like, you know, he, he's, he's going to care about this character for as long as he writes the character, and that's probably going to be for a long time. Um, Jeff Lowe's son, by the way, named Sam. Yeah. So he named this character after his son. So, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was it was good. It was definitely a good comic. Um, now, as far as the art goes, you you apparently are a big Ed McGinnis fan. I am. I I can't say that I'm a big Ed McGinnis fan. I would say that. I think he does certain things very well. Uh, like, I think before this he was writing, he was drawing the Hulk. 
Uh, he was on Hulk stuff for a while. Um, I'm actually not sure what he did between that X-Sanction thing and now. Uh, but yeah, he was on Hulk books for a good while. Yeah. Uh, before that, I think the only thing that I was really familiar with with him was his DC work uh, with uh, Public Enemies, you know, the Batman Superman Public Enemies. Yuri DC. And, uh... Yeah, some of it. <laughs> this was a while ago, back when it was good. Oh. And I believe he had also done a bunch of just, like, straight-up Superman, you know, stuff. And... I like his work on big, like, muscle characters. I don't think it... it, Well, it didn't used to translate well to non-muscle characters. You know, it's like everybody would just look like, you know, they were super muscles, even if they weren't supposed to be. Hmm. But in that time, like, I can can definitely tell that his, like, his style has, like... It's, uh... It's evolved so much that... I mean, this is this is fantastic. This is great. It's like you have the big muscle characters, which look awesome, and then you have you know the regular characters looking good too. I mean, like the way that he draws Gamora on that final page, it's like, well, okay, I'm I'm on board uh, a Nova book drawn by Ed McGinnis. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate how he makes characters kind of look their age too, because. One of my big complaints about comic art going backwards is, like, it seems like the further back in history you go, the more teenagers are drawn to look exactly like adults. And that bugs the hell out of me, because it's like, all right, well, why bother making them teenagers then? You know? Yeah. And, like, Sam... Like, there's noticeable age differences in the high school where Sam goes, but that's that's just how school is. Yeah. But like Sam, like you can tell just by looking at him, you can tell Sam is a kid. But he's also older than his little sister. He's younger than you know this character or that character. Like it's 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 really and like he's not overly muscular. He's not like they don't fall into that superhero trap of like okay you're you're gonna you're a superhero or you're gonna be a superhero so you're physically perfect. Like they did he did a good job injecting realism into it. While staying cartoony enough to make it still like look like fun McGinnis artwork, <laughs> but not too cartoony that would turn me off. Speaking of cartoony, that double page spread in the middle there, where um they're in the ship and they got the recorder guy sitting there. Yeah, you see those little white things flying around. Yeah, the gleeps. Oh my god, I want them. <laughs> to be, like, alive and in my home. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> no way that they're not going to pop up again. Like, I don't even know, like, have, have we seen these things before? I don't even know what these are. I don't... Like, are they robots? I don't think that we've seen them. It, <clears throat> I mean, the closest thing that it reminds me of is, uh, Skeets. Oh, uh, you know what it reminds me of? What? The adipose from, a. Have you seen that yet? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I have. from the the first Donna. No. Yeah, yeah, the first one with Donna as a companion on Doctor Who. Well, yeah. I guess actually the second one with Donna. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the well, she wasn't his companion yet. She was just someone he whatever. kidnapped. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's basically like an adipose with a little red face mask. It's like if an adipose got taken by Starro. Yeah. That's what this thing is. Yeah, yeah, basically. Starro's a DC Comics villain, just in case you don't know. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I, I can tell that this is probably going to be a comic as much about Sam becoming a superhero as it is about finding out more about the father. Oh, yeah, and it's definitely going to be about, like, kind of the evolving relationship between him and his father. And Hopefully. What's awesome is, like, they might be able to advance that by a lot without even having the father in the book for a while. Well, yeah, and hopefully the father's still alive. I can't imagine he won't be. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah. So. I mean, even... Cause, I mean, because I thought... I, just from this issue alone, what I got from it was the thrust of this... His superhero origin is, you know, your dad got grabbed because he knows where this recorder is. We need you to save him because there's some DNA lock or something on the helmet so only you can use his helmet. Right. You know, and like he's gonna have to like, I feel like it'll take too much wind out of the sails of like all their possible story directions if the father was dead. And plus, I don't, like, what with uh, Sam being based on Jeff Loeb's son, I don't think he would really want to introduce that kind of family tragedy into this, especially not right away. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of... Oh, before we move on to that, what do you think of the first three pages of this thing? Where it's, um, you know, it's it's kind of the star field that kind of looks like a big eye, and then it explodes into the double-page title spread. Oh, God, I hate that. Really? Yeah, I really do. Um, and, I mean, I, I understand it's like trying to go for, like, a cinematic type thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, like a, like the opening of a movie. It's like, you know, you have this this quiet, calm scene, and then all of a sudden, you know, just like the Nova symbol off in the distance, and Nova at the top. And it's just, and you know, like, the credits take half the page. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> that's a waste. That's a waste of, of space. Yeah. <laughs> space. I I agreed. I had that same thought until we got into the bulk of the issue, and like I think it's I think it's there like for more or less for a story reason because like it's a direct counterpoint to to the life Sam has been living all this time. You know he hates being trapped in this rinky-dink small town with all the same people where nothing ever happens, nothing ever changes. And but we open on like the infinite expanse of the universe where the exact opposite of all of that is true. You know So it's kinda it's kinda showing us where he's going before showing us where he is. I mean like I think that it would be an interesting point if like the final scene had been you are now leaving carefree or something like that. Hmm. Like if, if they had like wrapped it up full circle like that, then that I think would have been that would have been really, you know, strong storytelling. You know, you open it up with space and then you you end it, you know, by him like either either leaving the small town or whatever. Um, 
I, to me, it, it doesn't have as much impact if the final scene is just him being greeted by, you know, Gamora and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And since we're talking about cinematic elements, what do you think about the cover? Because Marvel Now books, they've been kind of stressing the idea that covers should look like movie posters with, like, the big title at the top, the, the iconic image of the characters, and then, like, the the text crawl at the bottom with, like, all the information and, like, creators and everything, kind of like how a poster would have, like, there's where the actors are and all that stuff. Yeah. The names. Um, I like it. I'm sure they came out with, let me check now, uh, <clears throat> variant covers. Oh, probably. Check and see what they look like, see if I think any of those are better. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's... It's a good cover. It's, it's decent. It does it does very much look like uh, what do you call it? Um, oh my god! What? It does look like a movie poster. What do you call it? Oh yeah. Oh my god! It's like oh god. What'd you find? The variant cover was yeah. done by Scotty Young. It's a baby variant. I've seen that. That looks amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> You know what, they're actually, I can't remember if they confirmed this yet or not, but they're supposed to be doing a um, a collection of just Scotty Young's baby covers. Oh my god. I'm absolutely on board for it. It's only $6. Actually, it's less. Wait for the collection. Oh, oh, wait a second. Oh man, there's another one. Okay. Yeah, now this... This is nice. This uh, this is a one in fifty. Uh, this is absolutely movie poster here. <clears throat> Let's see. I mean, like this actually looks like a fantastic idea for a movie poster. Okay, yeah, that's good. But you just yeah, have like that too. Nova like shooting diagonally across the cover uh, in front of a sun, and then at the bottom it's just like Nova and the, the words. That's really yeah. good. Um, I'll be interesting to I'll be interested to see how long they keep up this in, this uh, initiative to keep their covers designed like this because I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to choose if I had to rank them, I would definitely say the uh, the one in fifty variant is my favorite. Um, like that, I would actually, I would consider like actually like framing that one. That's really beautiful. And uh, the baby variant is definitely number two. This one, it's it's three, but I have to say it's a strong number three. I definitely like the fact that the interior artist drew the cover. That is that that is something that's important to me. So I, yeah. I give them bonus points for that. Oh, and then there's another cover. Oh, good. I was afraid there wouldn't be. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, what? it's a Joe Casada variant cover. Oh. Yeah, you, you check that out. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, Joe Casada, like, I like his artwork. Yeah. But it is 100% wrong for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really... It looks like Richard Ryder aged a couple of years instead of, you know. It's 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 the father. Oh, is it? 
I, I would imagine. I dislike it anyway. Yeah. It doesn't make me happy. I don't want that. I don't, well, as I, long as we're talking... I, I rank that under the, uh, the actual cover. Yeah. Uh, as long as we're talking about creators, there, some news came out today, I believe, uh, that as of issue six, the creative team is changing on this book. Really? Yes. Uh, July's Nova number six will be the debut issue of writer Zeb Wells and artist Paco Medina. And Jeff Loeb was quoted as saying, the first five issues work as a standalone story. So I guess, I guess that's, that's a little bit of the trade mentality right there, but also if you're attracted to this book by the creators, you don't have, you, I, I guess they, they were nice enough to give you a jump off point too. <laughs> God, what? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> I guess that shoots down my whole theory of uh, Jeff Loeb wanting to stick with us for a long time. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. And now I'm curious if uh, he wanted to leave or not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Mar- did you hear about Marvel Now Wave 2? No. Because that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> What's, what, is, what is that? That, well, it's basically exactly what the first round of Marvel Now was, except more of it, with, like, more characters getting books with number ones. Okay. They haven't announced any of, the any of like, what those new books will be yet, but they've already started running the cryptic teasers, like, last time. <laughs> so people are theorizing, oh, Ant-Man and Doctor Strange and all these guys will get books. Heroes for Hire. I'm know. not. I'm not gonna buy a Racket Raccoon comic. Well, he already has a comic. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna buy a Racket Raccoon standalone, though. I would. That wouldn't be fun for an issue. Well, maybe for an issue. There you go. Just get it for an issue <laughs> at a time <laughs> for 13 months. <laughs> and what? And then it's canceled. <laughs> yes. No, it'll, it'll last at least through the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, oh my God! There's another variant. It's the Joe, Joe Casada sketch cover. Is, it's one in 150. It's black and white. All right. Is it exactly the same as this, his that other crappy cover? Yes. Good. Yeah. Thank God. I haven't picked up issue two yet, so I can't I can't tell what the normal cover is. Yeah, mine hasn't gotten here yet. <clears throat> you know, all things considered, I'm so surprisingly pleased with this because, you know, as you said, you, we didn't know going in, are we going to give a crap about this new kid? What kind of quality are these creators going to deliver? But this is, this is like the most palate-cleansing, feel-good comic that I read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this, this, uh, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I wish it was a little, uh, a little more positive, I would say. But, you know, this is definitely, uh, stylistically <laughs> very different than what I have been reading, so this is definitely a nice change of pace. Hmm. Definite buy for me. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, this is a super buy. <clears throat> this is a buy three times to get all three great covers. <laughs> this is a best buy. Uh, yeah, buy enough of it, and they'll give you a TV. That's what that means, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Not really. But leave me alone. <laughs> uh, Okie doke. Yeah. So you can contact us at novacast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 708-NOVA. That's enough numbers. <laughs> or just find us on Facebook or at novacast.com. We should probably start that. What? The whole Novacast thing. What, like the website? Yeah. And Facebook we- page. Should we just start doing the show for real? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I do enjoy doing the NovaCast. It is. We keep coming back to it at least once a year. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, we probably would come back to it more often if we had more time. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, whatever. We'll figure it out. Good night, everyone. Good night. like how red balloons stay. <laughs> and red balloons. That's the angriest thing I can think of. Well, that's kind of the throwback to uh, Lucky Charms. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. God. Okay. Uh, so- Murd only likes pre-crisis Lucky Charms. <laughs> well, actually, <clears throat> so, now this this might be a bit uh, potentially scandalous, but I do, believe it or not, have a box of a form of Lucky Charms in my apartment right now. Uh, really? Really, yes. First time I've had this cereal in a long time. It's a special limited edition St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Nothing but actual green clover. No, not, not that stupid hat with the clover-shaped blob in the middle of it, but uh, Honest to Patrick four-lobed clover shapes. Nothing but that in, in the box. Well, well, and cereal pieces, too, but all the marshmallows are clover-shaped in two different shades of green. Yeah. And that's, I was just pleased. That it, it, it's a step in the right direction, you know, having restored a, <laughs> one, at least, of the classic shapes. Uh, so, you know, I, I decided, as a gesture of good faith, um, and just to encourage them to do more things like this in the future, I decided to drop the embargo temporarily and bought one box. Right. I have uh, four boxes of that actually right now. Oh, the the, the St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, thing? yeah. No, I mean I'm I'm crazy over Lucky Charms. It's my favorite cereal. <laughs> well, it was at one time my favorite cereal too, Dan. Which is why it breaks my heart to see what's become of it. Um, uh, you think you thinks you're me? Sometimes I am. Oh, okay. My favorite is the mm. the chocolate Lucky Charms. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, well, I have heard of it. It's like it seems like. 
it shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> you know, you have marshmallows with chocolate cereal. It just it just seems like it seems like I'm getting away with something every time I eat a bowl of it. Right. Sinful excess. Exactly. Diabetesos. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, 